0: Chapter five Part two of Pointed Roofs by Dorothy Richardson The recording is in the public domain Section nine The thing Miriam dreaded most acutely was a visit with Mina to her aurist. She learned with horror that Mina was obliged every few months to submit to a series of small operations at the hands of the tall, scholarly looking man with large clear impersonal eyes who carried on his practice high up in a great block of buildings in a small faded room with coarse coffee-colored curtains at its smudgy windows the character of his surroundings added a great deal to her abhorrence of his attentions to mina the room was densely saturated with an odor which she guessed to be that of stale cigar smoke it seemed so tangible in the room that she looked about at first for visible signs of its presence it was like an invisible fog and seemed to affect her breathing coming and going upon the dense staleness of the room and pervading the immediate premises was a strange savoury pungency miriam could not at first identify it But as the visits multiplied and she noticed the same odour standing in faint patches here and there about the stairways and corridors of the block, it dawned upon her that it must be onions, onions freshly frying but with a quality of accumulated richness that she could not explain. But the fact of the dominating kitchen side by side with the consulting room made her speculate She imagined the doctor's wife probably in that kitchen, a hard-browed, bony North German woman. She saw the clear-eyed man at his meals, and imagined his slippers. There were dingy books in the room where Minna started and moaned. She compared this entourage with her recollection of her one visit to an oculist in Harley Street. His stately house the exquisite freshness of his appointments and his person stood out now the english she assured herself were more refined than the germans even the local doctor at barnes whose effect upon her mother's perpetual ill-health upon eve's nerves and sarah's mysterious indigestion was so impermanent that the very sound of his name exasperated her had something about him that she failed entirely to find in this german something she could respect she wondered whether the professional classes in germany were all like this specialist and living in this way minna's parents she knew were paying large fees section ten these dreaded expeditions brought a compensation her liking for minna grew with each visit she wondered at her here she was with her nose and her ear she was subject to rheumatism too it would always miriam reflected be doctor's treatment for her she wondered at her perpetual cheerfulness she saw her with a pang of pity going through life with her illnesses capped in defiance of all the care she bestowed on her person with her disconcerting nose a nose she reflected that would do splendidly for charades section eleven on several occasions a little contingent selected from the pianos and kitchen had appeared in the schoolroom and settled down to read german with frulein miriam had been dispatched to a piano after these readings the mid-morning lunching plates of sweet custard-like soup or chocolate soup or perhaps glasses of sweet syrup and biscuits were if frulein were safely out of earshot voluble indignation meetings if she were known to be in the room beyond the little schoolroom lunch was taken in silence except for gertrude's sallies, cheerful generalizations from minna or jimmy and grudging murmurs of response on the mornings of frulein's German readings the school never went to Kreipas going to Kreipas miriam perceived was a sign of fair weather they had been twice since her coming sitting at a little marble-topped table with the bergmans near the window and overlooking the full flood of the georgstrasse miriam felt a keen renewal of the sense of being abroad here she sat in the little enclosure of this upper room above a shop full of strange delicatessen securely adrift behind her she felt not home but the german school where she belonged here they all sat free germany was all around them they were in the midst of it frulein pfaff seemed far away how strange of her to send them there she glanced towards the two tables of english girls in the centre of the room wondering whether they felt as she did they had come to germany they were sharing it with her it must be changing them they must be different for having come they would all go back she supposed but they would not be the same as those who had never come she was sure they felt something of this They were sitting about in easy attitudes. How English they all looked! For a moment she wanted to go and sit with them. Just sit with them, rejoice in being abroad, in having got away. She imagined all their people looking in and seeing them so thoroughly at home in this little German restaurant, free from home influences, in a little world of their own she felt a pang of response as she heard their confidently raised voices she could see they were all even judy a little excited they chaffed each other gertrude had taken everyone's choice between coffee and chocolate and given an order orders for chocolada were heard from all over the room there were only women there wonderful german women in twos and threes ladies out shopping, Miriam supposed. She managed intermittently to watch three or four of them and wondered what kind of conversation made them so emphatic, whether it was because they held themselves so well and spoke out that everything they said seemed so important. She had never seen women with so much decision in their bearing. She found herself drawing herself up, she heard German laughter about the room. The sounds excited her, and she watched eagerly for laughing faces. They were different. The laughter sounded differently, and the laughing faces were different. The eyes were expressionless as they laughed, or evil. They had that same knowing way of laughing as though everything were settled. But they did not pretend to be refined as Englishwomen did. They had the same horridness, but they were jolly. They could shout if they liked. Three cups of thick-looking chocolate, each supporting a little hillock of solid cream, arrived at her table. Clara ordered cakes. At the first sip, taken with lips that slid helplessly on the surprisingly thick rim of her cup, Miriam renounced all the beverages she had ever known as unworthy. She chose a familiar-looking éclair. Clara and Emma ate cakes that seemed to be alternate slices of cream and very spongy coffee-colored cake, and then followed Emma's lead with an open tartlet on which plump green gooseberries stood in a thick brown syrup. Section 12 during dinner frulein pfaff went the round of the table with questions as to what had been consumed at kreipas the whole of the table on her right confessed to one cookin with their chocolate in each case she smiled gravely and required the cake to be described the meaning of the pilgrimage of inquiry came to miriam when frulein reached gertrude and beamed affectionately in response to her careless Chocolata und ein biscuit miriam and the bergmans were alone in their excesses section thirteen even walks were incalculable excepting on saturdays when at noon anna turned out the schoolrooms then unless to miriam's great satisfaction it rained and they had a little festival shut in in holiday mood in the saal The girls playing and singing, Anna loudly obliterating the weekdays next door, and the secure harbor of Sunday ahead. They went methodically out and promenaded the streets of Hanover for an hour. These Saturday walks were a recurring humiliation. If they had occurred daily, some crisis she felt sure would have arisen for her. The little party would file out under the leadership of Gertrude. Fraulein pfaff smiling parting directions adjuring them to come back safe and happy to the beehive and stabbing at them all the while miriam felt with her keen eye through the high doorway that pierced the high wall and then charge down the street gertrude alone having been in hanover and under frulein pfaff's care since her ninth year was instructed as to the detail of their tour and she swung striding on ahead the ends of her long fur boa flying out in the march wind making a flourishing scroll-work round her hounding tailor-clad form the martins short-skirted and thick-booted with hard cloth jackets and hard felt hats and short thick pelerines almost running on either side jimmy milly and judy hard behind Miriam's ever-recurring joyous sense of emergence, and her longing to go leisurely and alone along these wonderful streets, to go on and on at first, and presently to look, had to give way to the necessity of keeping Gertrude and her companions in sight. On they went, relentlessly, through the Saturday throng, along the great Georgstrasse, a foreign paradise with its great bright cafes and the strange promising detail of its shops tantalizingly half seen she hated too the discomfort of walking thus at this pace through streets along pavements in her winter clothes they hampered her horribly her heavy three-quarter length coat made her too warm and bumped against her as she hurried along the little fur pelerine which redeemed its plainness tickled her neck and she felt the outline of her stiff hat like a board against her uneasy forehead her inflexible boots soon tired her but these things she could have endured they were not the main source of her trouble she could have renounced the delights all round her made terms with the discomforts and looked for alleviations but it was during these walks that she began to perceive that she was making in a way she had not at all anticipated a complete failure of her role of english teacher the three weeks haphazard curriculum had brought only one repetition of her english lesson in the smaller schoolroom and excepting at meals when whatever conversation there was was general and polyglot she was never in the house alone with her german pupils the cessation of the fixed readings arranged with her that first day by frulein pfaff did not in face of the general absence of method at all disturb her mademoiselle's classes had she discovered except for the weekly mending long since lapsed altogether these walks she soon realized were supposed to be her and her pupils opportunity no doubt frulein pfaff believed that they represented so many hours of english conversation and they did not it was cheating pure and simple she thought of fee-paying parents of the probable prospectus french and english governesses section fourteen Her growing conviction and the distress of it were confirmed each week by a spectacle she could not escape, and was rapidly growing to hate. Just in front of her and considerably behind the flying van, her full wincy skirt, billowing out beneath what seemed to Miriam a dreadfully thin little close-fitting stockinette jacket, trotted mademoiselle, one hand to the plain brim of her large French hat, and obviously conversational with either minna and elsa or clara and emma on either side of her generally it was minna and elsa minna brisk and trim and decorous as to her neat plaid skirt however hurried and elsa showing her distress by the frequent twisting of one or other of her ankles which looked to miriam like sticks above her high-heeled shoes mademoiselle's broad hat-brim flapped as her head turned from one companion to the other sometimes miriam caught the mocking tinkle of her laughter that all three were interested too miriam gathered from the fact that they could not always be relied upon to follow gertrude the little party had returned one day in two separate groups fortunately meeting before the waldstrasse gate was reached Owing to Mademoiselle's failure to keep Gertrude in sight, there was no doubt too that the medium of their intercourse was French, for Mademoiselle's knowledge of German had not, for all her six months at school, got beyond a few simple and badly managed words and phrases. Miriam felt that this French girl was perfectly carrying out Fräulein Pfaff's design. She talked to her pupils, made them talk. The girls were amused and happy, and were picking up French. It was admirable, and it was wonderful to Miriam, because she felt quite sure that Mademoiselle had no clear idea in her own mind that she was carrying out any design at all. That irritated Miriam. Mademoiselle liked talking to her girls. Miriam was beginning to know that she did not want to talk to her girls. Almost from the first, she had begun to know it. She felt sure that if Frulein Pfaff had been invisibly present at any one of her solitary conversational encounters with these German girls, she would have been judged and condemned. Elsa Spire had been the worst. Miriam could see, as she thought of her, the angle of the high garden wall of a corner house in Waldstrasse, and above it a blossoming almond tree how lovely that tree is she had said she remembered trying hard to talk and to make her talk and making no impression upon the girl she remembered monosyllables and the pallid averted face and elsa's dreadful ankles she had walked along intent and indifferent and presently she had felt a sort of irritation rise through her struggling and then further on in the walk She could not remember how it had arisen. There was a moment when Elsa had said, with unmoved, averted face, hurriedly, My Faza is off sir. And it seemed to Miriam as if this were the answer to everything she had tried to say, to her remark about the almond tree, and everything else. And then she felt that there was nothing more to be said between them. They were both quite silent everything seemed settled miriam's mind called up a picture of a middle-aged man in a saxon blue uniform all voice and no brains and going to take to gardening in his old age and longed to tell elsa of her contempt for all military men clearly she felt elsa's and elsa's mother's feeling towards herself elsa's mother had thin ankles too and was like Elsa, intent and cold and dead. She could imagine Elsa in society now, hard and thin and glittery. She would be stylish. Military men's women always were. The girl had avoided being with her during walks since then, and they never voluntarily addressed one another. Minna and the Bergmans had talked to her, minna responded to everything she said in her eager husky voice not because she was interested miriam felt but because she was polite and it had tired her once or twice dreadfully to go on making conversation with minna she had wanted to like being with these three she felt she could give them something it made her full of solicitude to glance at either of them at her side she had longed to feel at home with them and to teach them things worth teaching they seemed pitiful in some way like children in her hands she did not know how to begin all her efforts and their efforts left them just as pitiful section fifteen each occasion left her more puzzled and helpless now and again she thought there was going to be a change she would feel a stirring of animation in her companions then she would discover that someone was being discussed generally one of the girls or perhaps they were beginning to tell her something about frulein pfaff or talking about food these topics made her feel ill at ease at once things were going wrong it was not to discuss such things that they were together out in the air in the wonderful streets and boulevards of hanover she would grow cold and constrained and the conversation would drop and then suddenly within a day or so of each other dreadful things had happened the first had come on the second occasion of her going with minna to see dr deeckel minna as they were walking quietly along together had suddenly begun in a broken English which soon turned to shy fluent animated German to tell about a friend an apotheker a man miriam gathered missing many links in her amazement in a shop the chemist's shop where her parents dealt in the little country town in pomerania which was her home minna was so altered looked so radiantly happy whilst she talked about this man that miriam had wanted to put out a hand and touch her afterwards she could recall the sound of her voice as it was at that moment with its yearning and its promise and its absolute confidence minna was so certain of her happiness at the end of each hurried little phrase her voice sounded like a chord like three strings sounding at once on some strange instrument and soon afterwards Emma had told her very gravely, with Clara walking a little aloof, her dog-like eyes shining as she gazed into the distance, of a most beautiful man with a brown moustache, with whom Clara was in love. He was there in the town, in Hanover, a hair specialist treating Clara's thin short hair. Section 16 even emma had a jungling he had a very vulgar surname too vulgar to be spoken it was breathed against miriam's shoulder in the half-light miriam was begged to forget it at once and to remember only the beautiful little name that preceded it at the time she had timidly responded to all these stories and had felt glad that the confidences had come to her Mademoiselle, she knew, had never received them. But after these confidences there were no more serious attempts at general conversation. Section Seventeen. Miriam felt ashamed of her share in the hairdresser and the chemist. Emma's jungling might possibly be a student. She grieved over the things that she had felt were lying neglected things in general she felt sure she ought to discuss with the girls. Improving the world, leaving it better than you found it, the importance of life, sleeping and dreaming that life was beauty and waking and finding it was duty, making things better, reforming, being a reformer. Pater always said young people always wanted to reform the universe. Perhaps it was so, and nothing could be done. Clearly she was not the one to do anything. She could do nothing even with these girls, and she was nearly eighteen. Once or twice she wondered whether they ever had thoughts about things. She felt they must. If only she were not shy. If she had a different manner, she would find out. She knew she despised them as they were she could do nothing her fine ideas were no good she did less than silly little mademoiselle and all the time frulein thinking she was talking and influencing them was keeping her in germany End of chapter five